Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. We have a fantastic topic coming up for you tonight on the show. Are shadow people extraterrestrials? What, what are the similarities here? Uh, or as I've titled it here uh, within the Facebook live stream, Shadow Entities and Extraterrestrials, Why So Similar? So this is brought to you by the Connected Universe Portal. Uh, check out the membership site, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. A bunch of courses coming out there very soon as well, so be on the lookout for that. also want to thank our podcast listeners later on Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those wonderful places, and, of course, our syndicated show on uh, KGRA Radio. It's KGRADB.com. Thank you, everybody out there for listening there. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. And there's Tom McNicholas down in the house, too, so... Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining. I am basically taking a presentation and giving you that to you guys this evening. Uh, those that are coming out to the uh, Parasicon conference here in about a week and a half, you're going to see a lot of this. But this is not verbatim uh, what's going to be shown there because that is that topic is what are shadow people. So that's going to take a little bit of a different route uh, this one is geared more toward the Laughlin UFO, UFO Paracon, which is uh, June 6th through 12th. I'm presenting Monday morning. Uh, so this is, again, it's not verbatim what I'm going to be showing there. There's still a lot that I have to tweak and all that. But um, all right, I'll just, I'll just be fair here. You guys are my test bed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been over a year since I've done a presentation like this because of uh, COVID and all the conferences being canceled last year. Uh, you know, we're, we're starting to gear up into that season. It's going to be a little bit of a different world here as we do this. But um, yeah, yeah, this one is, you know, specifically geared toward exploring the possibility that some shadow entities are actually ex extraterrestrials. And yeah, like Nicole says down there, please please remember, tell your friends about the Connected Universe. That's right, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. So, all right, let's go ahead and get into this. Let me pop up the presentation screen. There you go. Our shadow people extraterrestrials. And you can see I've kind of geared the, uh, the font type and everything toward the shadow dimension. We'll be talking a bit about the shadow dimension docu-series here tonight as well, because I've worked in some of that material uh, here too. Uh, I see others are joining. Rick Gabbard is now in the house. All right, Rick. Uh, all right, so this is this is an interesting topic, because uh, there are a lot of similarities that you see between extraterrestrial stories and also, uh, you know, shadow entity stories. And so you see here, I understand those listening to the podcast later, you, you can't see it, but for those watching here uh, on, the, on the Facebook live stream through the Connected Universe portal, uh, you see a you know, nice illustration there by Adam Tillery uh, with the shadow entity, and uh, that's actually Sean Gilmore hiding under the covers uh, in his bed, and then on the right-hand side, well, there's somebody in bed, and there's an extraterrestrial. A lot of these type of stories seem to cross-reference each other, and so uh, 
there are some ideas that the uh, you know the ET stories are just like the modern version of the shadow stories, which are you know were a modern story of uh, you know like the old hag stories and things like that. So we're going to get into a lot of those different things. Now, I like this. I grabbed this from uh, from the Shadow Dimension. It's a quote from Mark Anthony in episode one, uh, talking about different shadow species. He says, we may very well be dealing with several different entities, several different species using a similar energetic energetic modality in order for them to communicate or to visit what we call Earth. Uh, Mark Anthony, psychic explorer, psychic lawyer. Uh, we've had him on Edge of the Rabbit Hole uh, a number of times, and I invited him to the Shadow Dimension docuseries, and uh, you know, his expertise uh, comes out in a few different episodes. So what he's talking about here with, it's you know, the jargon, similar energetic modality. What exactly is he talking about? He's talking about the energy behind the manifestation of the shadow and that there may be several different types of entities or if this is something that is extraterrestrial, several different types of species that are using the energy that creates the shadow phenomena to come here and visit Earth, whether that is actually as an ET, uh, whether that is a, as an interdimensional being. We'll be getting into interdimensional beings as well. Uh, and, of course, when we're talking about shadow entities, we're talking about a lot of different types of entities. And so that is, of course, you guys who are uh, been loyal followers for a while, are very familiar with the different uh, types of entities that I like to present. So we're going to be getting into, for those, again, that have been uh, watching for a while, some of this is going to seem very, very familiar. Uh, you know, some of this was taken, like, straight from the uh, Unveiling the Shadows workshop back in October. Uh, so we're going to go down that route, because uh, that's basically what I will be presenting here is, okay, let's get into what all of these different types are. We're going to be defining these things first, and then we're going to get into all the different theories, uh, you know, about extraterrestrials. You know, let's, let's actually examine what shadow people are first, and then we'll get into, uh, you know, some of this more esoteric stuff. So Tom McNicholas down there saying, everyone is invited to come to Ohio. Yeah, come on out to uh, Hunter Road Media, or Hunter Road Media, Paracon. <laughs> the Parasicon. Uh, that is in, what is that? May, I want to say, yeah, that's uh, 21st through 23rd. So it's, it's coming up here pretty soon. Uh, Rick Abbott asks, could shadow people be aliens in disguise? That's exactly what we're covering this evening. So stay tuned, Rick. All right. So let's get into, uh, all right, the, the interest that I have here dates back to my first shadow experience. And those that are watching right now through the, uh, through the Facebook live stream are very familiar with this story, where basically I woke up in the middle of the night and saw this tall, dark figure standing in the corner of my room. Had no idea what it was. I was only about eight years old at the time. Had no idea what it was. I, you know, from shadow figures or or what have you. 
I thought there was an intruder in my room and it was about to kill me. But of course, that's not what happened. It did do something very unusual, though. It approached my bed, grabbed me by the wrist, crossed my arms across my body, and ran off down the hall, and of all places, into a closet. Very strange and unusual uh, for the whole closet thing. We'll get into that. But after this happened, now, first off, I was trying to scream while this was going on, but nothing was coming out of my mouth. I was just too terrified. And finally, when it ran off, I found my legs, found my voice, ran off to my parents' bedroom, and they consoled me, told me that I just had a bad dream and what have you, but I knew I was awake the whole time. So given what we were just kind of prefacing this whole thing with, was this, you know, was this an ET? Was it an extraterrestrial? Was it an interdimensional being? Was it just the you know, shadow of some human spirit? I'm never really going to know. Um, but the whole running into the closet and disappearing thing, you know, perhaps, I don't know why there would be a portal in the closet, uh, but that's that's something that's kind of been tossed around as as uh, you know an interesting banter. You know, but maybe it was interdimensional. I kind of lean toward that. So, second significant experience was uh, about five years later. It's thirteen years old. We were moving to a new house in Ohio, from Massachusetts to Ohio. Uh, this is not a photo of uh, that bedroom, but it's a similar layout to. Uh, to the way it was. And as I was unpacking boxes, putting things away, I kept seeing this uh, silhouette of a figure in my doorway. It was very translucent. I would turn, look, and it would take off, go, you know, running down the hall, really toward my parents' bedroom. It's a very short hall uh, at that particular house. And this happened several times. I'd be putting things away, unpacking boxes, and the thing would be standing there. I would turn and look, and there it was. And uh, it would take off. So after a few days of this, I finally asked my mother about uh, what I was seeing, and she told me she had actually seen the same thing. Uh, it was fantastic to get that affirmation, uh, and she wasn't alarmed either, which was which was really great on a lot of different levels. For one, um, with the affirmation, I, I knew I wasn't crazy. I, I knew I wasn't crazy anyway, but also with her not being alarmed, I didn't feel I had anything to fear. So I got playful with the thing, started calling him Tom, uh, as in peeping Tom. No, not Tom McNicholas down in the chat. <laughs> uh, so I, anytime I'd see him after that, I'd say, hi, Tom, and he'd you know, go taking off. And that activity lasted for about uh, you know three or four months, and then it just kind of stopped. You know, I, So I figured that it was you know, something that was around the house, Checking out our family, deemed that we were okay, and then just went about its business. So uh, these are two very different shadow experiences. You know, when we're, you know, we're trying to look and examine at, okay, what do some of these different experiences have in common that you would define as, you know, say ET or interdimensional or what have you? Uh, my very my first experience. It was very physical. Uh, the thing was solid, looked just like a human, except that it had no face, no eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. This other one was very translucent, uh, still in the shape of a human, but I could see right through it. And it was very, very fast. The first one was too, but not as fast as this one. 
So those are my first couple of experiences sent me down this path. And this, the second one, I don't think was an ET, but I, for the first one, again, that could be a lot of different things. And we're going to examine the different types of uh, shadow entities for starters. And again, I know that uh, those in the, uh, in the connected universe portal right now are, are familiar with this, but we're going down this route and uh, those listening to the podcast later and uh, you know others that watch the rerun in the Connected Universe Portal site, uh, I know that uh, for many of you, some of this is going to be uh, new for sure. So let's venture down this route and we'll come out on the other side talking ETs, different dimensions and all kinds of other uh, really interesting topics. So, all right, here we go. Types of shadow entities. We start with the humanoid figure. So this is really what I saw in my bedroom when uh, when I was about eight years old. It was solid, uh, looked in the shape of a person. It just couldn't see any features. It's really the most common type of uh, shadow entity that people report. Now, I have actually captured one on film, which is actually quite hard to do. You know, people will show me photos and things like that all the time of, you know, here's a little shadow here and here's a little shadow there. And kind of like, oh, you know, maybe, I don't know what might be casting a shadow there, but this is, uh, this is at the Campsville grade school, Campsville, Illinois. It is obviously standing right there in the middle of the floor. You can see the, you know, entire body. Um, you know, it was a, really spectacular capture. It was very playful. It's about the height of a 10 or 11 year old child. We did a height comparison afterward uh, the, the following day because we didn't actually see it with our eyes, had the backlight from the camera right in our faces. So we'd seen this uh, later on and then went back to try to, uh, of course, you know, debunk it and all that stuff. But yeah, so it makes sense that this would be a child spirit considering that this was in an old school. And it was very playful. It, it kept uh, basically chasing us back and forth uh, across the gym. So that's our, our humanoid figure. And I'm going to go through these different types here rather quickly because I know for, for many of you on the live, this is a little bit of a repeat. Uh, okay, so hat figures. Uh, I get a lot of questions about uh, the hat-wearing entities. Uh, you know, They seem to be a little bit more of the nefarious type, and we're going to get a lot more into these here uh, a little bit later. But um, a lot of people chalk these up to you know, energy vampires that, you know, they, they enter your room, strike fear into you, feed off of that fear and what have you. Now, I've, I've heard other stories where they're a little bit more benign in nature, where they're just standing there and watching. Uh, and most shadow entities seem to be more of the, uh, more of the watching kind, where they're just standing there watching it's still a, you know, intrusion of your privacy, but they're not necessarily doing anything. And for, for this particular presentation, I'm not getting into the whole, are they evil sort of thing. Um, I'll do that more, I'll do that more during the Parasicon presentation, but for uh, the Laughlin presentation, I'm kind of staying away from that. But um, it, Generally, people know my stance on that, that it really depends on the particular shadow. Some are, sure, evil, nasty, nefarious. Others are actually rather benevolent, but most are rather benign. And yeah, it might be creepy, 
standing there watching, observing, uh, but most times they're not actually doing anything specific. All right. So, uh, and they come in all different shapes and sizes too when they, with these hat figures. So um, a, a lot of people recognize the ones that are wearing the fedora and the trench coat. This particular uh, uh, illustration here is wearing the top hat and the cape. Others are wearing a wide brim hat. I've even heard a story of like an archer type hat. So, uh, you know, a lot of variety uh, within these types of uh, entities. All right, then there is the hooded figure. I know I'm kind of going through these a little quick. Usually I have a bunch of stories to tell with, with all these, but we're, again, with the ET presentation, that's not, uh, it's not really specifically the goal. We want to get more toward the ET and interdimensional stuff. So, all right, hooded figures, uh, another kind of common type, and these are a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I've heard stories of, you know, hooded figures showing up at the end of the bed and then, uh, you know, lifting people up by their feet and, you know, pulling them basically out of bed. Uh, this particular one, which uh, is not, it, it's, it's interesting, Kat Gash, uh, whose uh, book this is from, uh, and Adam Tillery, again, doing the illustration, she, because uh, I used this artwork for a thumbnail for a shadow person uh, video, and she wanted to, she wanted to say, well, that it wasn't really a shadow person. It's like, well, it was a hooded shadowy figure that some other people may have, you know, to them may have said that, well, that was a shadow figure. But Kat knew what it was. This is basically the spirit of a monk, because this was at an old abbey in Ireland. And again, it showed up dark, shadowy, hooded. So this is your hooded figure. And it basically saved her from falling down the stairs of the abbey, it reached out and, and grabbed her as she was falling so that she wouldn't get hurt. So again, one that is more uh, benevolent in nature. And we'll get into another one of those benevolent stories here um, a little bit later, too, with, with the uh, hooded figures. So then there's Mr. Red Eyes. Um, and they, they, these entities come in more than just the red eyes. Uh, they, they might have yellow eyes, they might have purple eyes, blue eyes, you know, basically every color rainbow I've, I've heard reports of with the different colored eyes. But most people report the red ones. They usually uh, signify something a little bit more nefarious in nature. Uh, this particular illustration is based off of a story in which it was just standing there watching, observing, not doing anything you know, nefarious in nature. Now, the case that I was on in Edmond, Oklahoma, that was featured on the show The Haunted that ran on Animal Planet uh, some years ago, that featured a shadow entity with red eyes. and It was, it was terrorizing the adult daughter. It was terrorizing her cat, which is why I was on Animal Planet, uh, you know, the rest of the family saw it and, you know, they, they wanted that stopped. Um, whole story behind that of us cleansing that house, which was the primary feature uh, of that particular episode. And really when, uh, when it all came to a head, when Carl Johnson, demonologist, is uh, conducting a blessing over Taliesin, the girl, uh, that's where she doubled over in pain, like she got punched in the gut, and we got the EVP die. So this was this was definitely more nefarious, and we 
when we pushed that out and the wind was kicking up, absolutely crazy night. Uh, but again, not always evil, nasty, and nefarious. Sometimes they're just standing there watching and observing. So this next one, the mist, get a lot of these as well. Um, and this is when we start getting into things like uh, you know, the conjuring house. This mist plays into uh, into the into that story as well, and also the Mineral Spring stories with the little girl. With this one, this is at that same Edmund, uh, that same Edmund House, Edmund, Oklahoma, with the entity with red eyes. And when this was seen by me, uh, you know, I don't know if it was trying to manifest into that red-eyed entity. It's always possible. I mean, there was a there was a heavy feeling in the room at the time. And I did, years and years later, see rolling black smoke, the mist, form up into an apparition of a little girl. So was this going to roll up into the red-eyed shadow entity? I don't know. But basically the story with that is with the, uh, with the cat. The cat was going crazy around the house. I'm following it. You can kind of see me back behind the cat there following it. And what the cat's doing there is staring into that room. And as I came in behind it, the cat was like, yeah, I'm out of here, slinked behind that chair and got out of the way. And that's when I saw the dark mist in the room and it just dissipated away. I tried to take a photo of it and, you know, obliterated the thing, uh, you know, flooded the room with light, and that was that. Um, you know, it just, like I said, dissipated away. So uh, we'll get more into, into this phenomenon a bit later as well. That's, it's, uh leads to some other important stories. So then there is the Wisp-type shadow entity. Um, all right. Tom, I'm going to uh, save your question here. For, if I could get the cursor over. I'm going to save your question here for uh, a little bit later. So don't. I just don't want you to think I'm ignoring you, but I see your question there. So let me get that jotted down here. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. So the wisp, this is essentially what I saw uh, outside my bedroom door when we moved to Ohio. It was a, had a little bit more form to it than your than your common wisp, but because of how translucent it was and how fast it moved, um, I've put that in the category of the wisp. And that's what we try to do as humans. We try to categorize anything. But these are ones that are very translucent. There's not a whole lot of form to them. They move very, very fast. Uh, my really most significant experience was not there at my uh, house when I was 13, but was actually at a restaurant called Johnny V's in Muskogee, Oklahoma. And this gets a feature right at the end of the shadow dimension uh, because this is really, you know, the crux of a lot of that work with my book, A Walk in the Shadows, and with the Shadow Dimension docuseries. Uh, I'd love to go back to this place and see if we could see this thing again. But basically what happened was, I was doing the last photo sweep uh, of this restaurant while we were doing a paranormal investigation, couple of guys were up in the bar area. A couple of others were out in the front restaurant area. And as I'm walking through the main door, this, I mean, seriously, wisp of a shadow just darted right across 
the kitchen. And it was just, you know, it was tall. It was very narrow, very slim, very translucent. And it was very fast. And then you heard, boom, it just slammed into, you see the metal door in this photo, those that are watching the live stream, uh, slammed into that. And what's crazy is the door didn't move. This is just a flimsy metal door that uh, waiters and waitresses would use to carry large trays of food through. You could just tap the thing and it would move. It's, it was meant to be very, very light um, so that they wouldn't be impeded carrying the large trays of food. And you know, to me, that was really bizarre. And I called out to the others, hey, did you guys hear that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we heard that. And so I described to them what happened. I, for a moment, I started thinking, okay, these guys are, are messing with me. Uh, you know, I started asking them if they threw anything at the door. And they're like, no, we didn't throw anything at the door. And at first, I didn't believe them. I actually walked through the door, looking around on the ground. There's nothing there. So, um, so, and even if somebody had thrown something at the door, the door would have moved. So what happened? What had, what had I just observed? We're going to get to that in a little while, too. I know I keep saying we're going to get to these uh, different things in a little while, but right now we're just going through different types of, uh, of shadow entities. So then there's the crawler. Uh, this one, you know, just like its namesake, you know, it's crawling around on, uh, on all fours, whether that's uh, along the uh, walls, ceiling, uh, along the floor. You know, and it's just, it, it's another one that's very fast. And it's a flurry of arms and legs, at least what, what I've seen of them before. I've only seen it once. And that was at a uh, church called Black Bear Church on the middle of nowhere uh, in Olive Township, Oklahoma. And we had seen it in the basement. Now, there was a lot of legend and lore. I'm not going to get into uh, all the backstory of it, but a lot of legend and lore of this crawler being there. And we had actually seen a shadow slip in through one of the windows in the basement of this church. And that's the one photo here. And it's, I mean, it's basically circling us along the walls, along the ceiling, hit the floor at one time. The one bottle there that you see in the photo got kicked across the floor, hit the railing at one point, all kinds of bizarre stuff. Uh, And again, it was very, very fast. The psychic medium that was with us uh, suggested that we, uh, you know, sing some hymns, say some prayers, you know, create a lighter atmosphere, a lighter energy within the atmosphere, which we did. And the thing slinked back out one of the windows. So that is our crawler. And then we start getting to the fun stuff here. Old hag, the old hag. Uh, old hag syndrome. So a lot of interesting legend lore behind the old hag. This is the old painting by Henry Fuseli um, called The Nightmare. And you know, basically depicting the, uh, in this case, the ghoul or the incubus sitting on top of the woman who's supposed to be asleep and you see the, the black mare, the nightmare, uh, you know, peeking in through the bed curtains. And Henry Fuseli was basically, um, he, he dealt with this on a recurring basis. Now, some say it was because he ate, uh, was constantly eating too much pork at night and he was purposely trying to make it happen. You know, but you know, that could just be legend, but this is, you know, the, the classic, 
you're waking up in the middle of the night and feeling something pushing or pressing down on your chest. Some people report seeing an old hag. They might see the ghoul. They might see just a shadow there. Um, they might not even see it necessarily sitting on their chest, but they could, you know, see it standing near the bed or standing near the doorway. And, you know, they're feeling that pressure and they can't move. This gets into sleep paralysis, which we'll, we'll cover here in a little bit. Uh, yeah, Tom McNicholas, hope everyone had a chance to stream the Shadow Dimension. If not, why not? So good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're going to get into a lot of the old hag stuff here in a little bit, but that's, um, a primary one that people have experience with. So, but speaking of all the, uh, legend and lore uh, of the old hag, which we're going to get into, this is where we get into the history of these things. Uh, the shadow phenomena has a you know, very long history and, it could, you know, if if these things are extraterrestrials, we, we could be getting into some ancient alien sort of stuff. But um, this goes back, you know, as far as ancient Sumer, uh, you know, the first, well, as far as we know, I mean, it could even go back further. But when we start this research, uh, you know, one of those first kind of shadow entities of note uh, is Alu. This was considered a demon. It's considered a binding demon. And this is not a photo of, of Alu. It's, you know, some other ancient Sumerian art. We don't actually have a depiction of Alu, but this particular entity uh, had a lot of the distinctions of, of shadow entities. No eyes, no nose, no, nose, no mouth, no, no facial features. It also didn't have any limbs. And it would also do the kind of the old hag uh, thing where it would it would bind the person so you know the sleep paralysis uh you know they couldn't move and in order to combat alu which was considered a evil udug you would uh invoke a good udug so you're actually invoking a good demon to combat the bad demon which we don't really you know in our terminology today we think of all demons as being bad back then you had good ones and bad ones very different concept. Ancient Egypt, a shadow was actually part of the soul. Uh, they had seven different parts of the soul. One of those was the capet. Uh, now, Egypt, uh, believing in seven different parts of the soul, five of them went off to the constellation of Orion in the afterlife. And that's where a lot of your symbolism with the stars, with you know possible ETs, uh, it certainly comes into play, but two parts of the soul stayed here on Earth. Uh, the animating part of the soul, the ka, and then the kbit, the shadow. In this depiction here, you see the shadow near the tomb, and there is the bob bird, the bob being another part of the soul, flying uh, off to, uh, again, the constellation of Orion. You see similar uh, concepts here. Uh, Native with the Native American Choctaw tribe with the Shalombish. They believed in, not in seven, but in two different parts of the soul. So the, uh, yeah, the Shalup, which was the inside shadow that went off to the land of the ghosts, and then the Shalombish, uh, which was the outside shadow, and that stayed here to roam around on Earth. Uh, again, kind of that same concept 
that the uh, the Egyptians had. And of course, uh, you wonder how did the Choctaw get some of the same concepts as the Egyptians? That's a topic for another time. When we get into World Night Hag legends, um, you know, I'm not going to read all these, but you could, you could go down the list um, of how. And what I find interesting about this is how there are so many stories of this shadow phenomenon for thousands of years, cultures that presumably didn't have any contact with each other at all, and yet they're all reporting the same thing. Now, they call it a different name. Uh, they have some other maybe legends and lore that go around it, but they're all talking about the same thing. Sardinia, Mutadori, Chess, Sitting Ghoul. Ethiopia, Dukak, holds people down during sleep. Uh, Turkey, Karabasan, the Dark Presser. Uh, Sri Lanka, Amukapai, ghost that forces one down. So it's all talking about the same thing. Vietnam, Bong Day, held down by shadow. It's all the same phenomena. It's just a you know a, a different name for it depending on the culture. And you know they might have some uh, some different stories and legend and lore that go around uh, uh, with it. It's very very interesting. So we kind of step through history. George Washington's vision. And this is kind of interesting. So there at Valley Forge, uh, George Washington is, uh, the legend goes that he had a vision. This woman in white uh, presented herself to him. And she basically stepped him through uh, some of the history of the United States that was to come in that what he was doing, remember Valley Forge, people were dying. It was very cold. Um, you know, it, was, it was a very traumatic time for the American forces. And, you know, Washington was in despair. You know, he's going out to the garden to, to pray every night to, you know, to figure out what in the world to do uh, as they're all freezing to death. And during one of those times, this woman was supposed to present herself, and a map was unveiled to him of the world showing basically the creation of the United States, cities that were founded, you know, different battles that would be won over the years, you know, even long after he was dead. And so now you're probably wondering, okay, Mike, that's great. So George Washington, there's a woman in white. She seems very angelic. What in the world does that have to do with uh, shadow entities? And, and a lot of people think that, um, you know, she may have been uh, in an extraterrestrial, that she may have come down here uh, to present this information to him, or even maybe like a time traveler. Well, there's a part of the story that people tend to forget. Okay, she she unveiled this map to him. She was basically pointing at it. But there was another person there, and another person that it seems like everybody forgets about. The person, or really entity, that was actually unveiling the stuff on the map as she was telling the story was a shadow entity. So you have this angelic woman, this woman in white, and a shadow person there showing these things to George Washington. And this is kind of going to come into play here a little bit, I think, when we start talking about Albert K. Bender in the 1950s, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, but it's interesting to me that you have light and dark represented here in this story that are showing him the way. Uh, this being maybe of light and then the other of shadow that are here 
uh, showing George Washington the way. Fast forward to the spiritualism movement. Uh, you have, you know, it looks like my graphic's a little off here. I'll have to fix that. Uh, you have Madame de Esperance. Uh, really, this is more, more to do with the spiritualism movement uh, in that they recognized uh, shadow people and the term shadow people then uh, in the 1800s. Really, this is like 1860s to around 1900. Uh, she was a very well-known medium back during the spiritualism movement. She was uh, highly controversial because she was a physical medium. Uh, and what's interesting about her story is how her story uh, involves both, again, shadows and ghosts, in that when she was young uh, and growing up, she grew up in a haunted house that had both shadow entities and ghosts, and she was afraid of the ghosts. They terrified her, and the shadows, however, that were there she considered her friends. So she had shadow entities that were in the house along with ghostly apparitions. And to her, the, uh, the shadow entities there at that house protected her from the ghosts. Very, very interesting. Years later, when she was an adult living in a different house, she had shadow entities that were in this, this new house she had with her husband as well. However... She didn't like them as much. Um, she kind of changed her tune on shadow entities. And really, it's it's not that she changed her mind on uh, shadow people in general. It's she recognized that depending on where she was and who the shadow entities were, changed whether or not that they were, you know, good or evil. They... You know, she didn't have this whole, you know, all shadow entities are evil sort of thing like, you know, some people do today, which is very unfortunate. But she recognized the fact that some are good, some are bad. She had ones that protected her when she was young. Others, when she got older, they were different. Uh, and we don't exactly know what made them different because we only have a few details. But, you know, it's very, very interesting as we kind of walk through the history of these of these shadows. Now let's pop into the 1950s. Albert K. Bender, Flying Saucers and the Three Men. Very interesting book here. Um, so Albert K. Bender, he founded the uh, International Flying Saucer Bureau in 1952, basically the year of the big UFO flap. Um, UFO sightings that year were just through the roof. And so he founded this bureau. Uh, a lot of people were, you know, starting to research. They, you know, had these newsletters they were putting out. They actually went international. Uh, they had, uh, you know, division in the UK, in Australia. They'd gotten really big. And then Bender started getting visited by these shadowy hat-wearing entities. Uh, they were following him around, not all three at first, but, you know, he reported, like, going to the movies, and they were following him there. And at home, he's in his bedroom, and these guys materialize into the room, and, you know, describes them as, uh, as shadowy. They're wearing the hats. They have glowing eyes. 
And so when I first heard this story, I'm thinking, wait a second. He's describing the hat-wearing entities you know, that we call you know, shadow figures. You know, these, he's describing hat-wearing shadow entities. Now, others hearing this description would think men in black because, um, you know, they've got the hats and, you know, they're all, you know, dark in nature and everything. A lot of people would say men in black, especially since these, these entities were warning him off of reporting the UFO phenomenon. They wanted him to stop. And he ended up doing so. Um, and this got another, there's Albert K. Bender, and there's actually a, uh, his illustration of one he kind of put his in a suit which is is interesting that's i think why people go more toward the uh you know man in black uh type of persona but there's the hat you can see he's shadowed him in very shadowy in nature and there were three of them that's why you know you have the book uh flying saucers and the three men now he, he described them as et's that these were actually extraterrestrials that were wanting him to stop reporting on UFO activity uh, to basically end the International Flying Saucer Bureau, which he did in 1953. Uh, according to Bender, these extraterrestrials were actually uh, harvesting resources from our water from a basin in Antarctica. And he was prohibited from saying anything about them until they were gone. They were going to be around for about 15 years. They'd already been around for, for some time by the time they started interacting with him. He published this book in 1962. Um, part of his report came out earlier through a book by uh, Gray Barker that, uh, that he had written. Uh, but nobody knew the full story uh, because, according to uh, Albert Bender... He was not allowed to, uh, not allowed to talk about it, or there were going to be uh, drastic measures that were that were taken. Basically, he was threatened. So, one of the interesting things is that he was, according to his story, he did later meet with uh, almost kind of like a leader type figure of these things, and it kind of just the description reminds me of going back to George Washington, where he had the, you know, the, the angelic person uh, telling the story, uh, and then the shadow person uh, kind of doing the, the menial labor of, of displaying the different things on the map. With these three guys, they're kind of doing the more, you know, grunt work, menial labor of kind of threatening Bender, following him around, that sort of thing. And it was this other, you know, higher... Uh, higher being that you know kind of told him some specific story elements so uh you know very interesting uh, that you have this description of these hat wearing people that you see a variety of different um like i said you know i heard it i'm thinking shadow people other people hear the story they're thinking men in black According to Bender, they're ETs. So this kind of goes back to what I was talking about, you know, at the very beginning, you have 
a variety of different entities that are appearing very, very similar. Like Mark Anthony has said, you know, a similar energetic modality that they're using to appear here, but they're actually all a little different. Another one that uh, seems to have uh, this type of uh, multi-purpose phenomena associated with it, the hooded figures. So kind of described earlier the one that saved Cat. Okay, that was a human spirit that, uh, you know, that was a, a monk from the Abbey. Well, I was watching a uh, presentation by Grant Cameron some time ago, and he was telling a story about um, a a scientist who wanted, you know, to get some technology put up there on uh, the space station, and you know, he had to go through. I'm not going to get into the entire story, but he had to go through all of these hoops to get it up there. Basically, ended up using a scientist friend. Um. When the, you know, a general later found out that this was up there, he wanted to know, okay, you know, whose idea was it to put this technology up there? And yes, it came from this one specific scientist, but his idea actually came from a visitation by a hooded figure in the middle of the night. Now, the idea of this story is that this hooded figure was some sort of ET. Now, when we think of hooded figures... Uh, in the paranormal field, we're usually thinking again like a shadow person. Some people wonder is a hooded figure, uh, you know, the Grim Reaper, which is a, a psychopomp, um, you know, not a uh, not an ET, not a you know what we would deem as a uh, as a typical shadow entity or what have you. Uh, but that's just a uh, a figure that is it's a guide, and he's basically bringing people across to the spirit world. It's his job. So, okay. So here's this idea that a, a hooded figure visitation in the middle of the night could be a ET visitation, a hooded ET. Okay. Um, along that line, I'd mentioned before that, you know, some hooded figure stories are benevolent. Okay, it, technology up on the space station, that's good. Uh, that could be benevolent, benevolent or at least helpful. Um, a story that I have in A Walk in the Shadows, um, an account from actually two twin sisters, but primarily the one in which uh, her son was young son, very young, uh, was gravely ill. And you know there was a specific disease that they thought that he had. Um, they were trying to treat for it. Things just weren't going well. And she kept seeing this hooded shadow figure uh, kind of float into his room on several occasions. And she thought, you know, kind of the same thing with, uh, uh, you know, the Grim Reaper, Harbinger of Death, you know, that, you know, this is, this is somebody that's coming to take away her son. But her son remained alive. Finally, one day, back at the doctor's office, and they're going to run the same battery of tests. And before they are about to leave to go get the test done, the doctor stops, and he turns his head as if somebody's whispering into his ear. 
And then he says, you know, let's run these other tests. And they, they do so. They run these other tests and they come up with a different diagnosis for the child. Turns out that's what it really was. They were able to treat it. The child was fine. Never saw the hooded figure again. And so the mother believed that even though she couldn't see the hooded figure in the room there with the doctor, that it was there to some degree and whispered into his ear the test to run. And so if that is true, then you do see another case with a hooded figure uh, being rather benevolent. If this is another ET encounter, you know, that makes it all the more interesting if this is, you know, if we're seeing, you know, ET suggesting we put uh, the technology up in space, why wouldn't they also, you know, have some input into, into a medical diagnosis? It's, uh, you know, another interesting thing to consider. I got about 10 minutes left in the show here. So I'm going to skip over the, um, probably going to skip over the sleep paralysis part of it. Well, I'll talk about it real quick here. Um, you know, just because it, it's, I think it's important that, you know, we at least recognize that, you know, there's a component with the sleep paralysis that, you know, a lot of people think that, well, it's actually very important here when we talk about, um, you know, the ET phenomenon. So yeah, I can't skip over it because you have a lot of the different reports along with shadow phenomenon in the, in sleep paralysis people waking up in the night, they see the shadow entity, they're paralyzed. Um, you know, they are in extreme fear. They think that the shadow entity is doing harm to the harm to them, et cetera, et cetera. You get a lot of the same reports with, with ETs that the ETs have paralyzed them and they're trying to do harm. Now this is separate from ab abduction stories. There, there's two distinct things. They, they can, yes, they can certainly paralyze you, bring you, bring you on the board, the ship and do things there. But there are many times in which you wake up in the middle of the night and the thing is just standing there, ET or shadow, and all of a sudden you're paralyzed, you can't move. And a lot of people attribute the sleep paralysis to the entity uh, that is standing there. Now, I'm not going to read through all of this text. Um, I usually do when I'm doing like the full presentation and everything. But basically, it's the National Institute of Health uh, basically defining what sleep paralysis is. It is a real biological phenomenon. I have uh, actually experienced it myself a few times, never saw a shadow entity uh, during those times that I had sleep paralysis. Now, what the uh, medical community likes to say about sleep paralysis and seeing shadow entities or ETs is that you're waking up in the middle of the night, your body's in, um, in sleep paralysis, which is a natural biological phenomenon, but your mind is still in a state of sleep and the things that you're seeing are actually hallucinations. However, my problem with that is we dream about all kinds of different things. Um, you know, dream about could be cars, could be motorcycles, planes flying overhead, trees, flowers, whatever. Um, I've had dreams of being on stage with Motley Crue, but I've never woken up to 10,000 people being in my room, 
you know, screaming at the stage and pyrotechnics going off and all that. I mean, it would be a lot of fun, but I've, I've never woken up to that before. People wake up and they see the shadow figure or an ET type of, uh, of figure standing there. So here's what I think is actually happening, because it's not a hallucination. Um, we're going to talk about our toroidal energy field and what's really going on here. We're sensing their presence. And anybody who's had um, children will uh, relate to this. In that, so your child wakes up in the middle of the night. They, you know, they need to use the restroom. They need a drink of water. They had a bad dream, whatever it is. They come into the bedroom. My youngest son, Cameron, was notorious for this in that he wouldn't tap me on the shoulder or shake me awake or anything like that. Uh, he would just stand there and he would stare at me. And I'd just jolt awake. Oh, Cameron, you're, you're there. You know, uh, it was really disconcerting that, okay, you know, all of a sudden there, I wake up and there's Cameron. Well, and he would tell me what he wanted, you know, whether it was a bad dream or whatever, and I'd take care of it. But what is it that actually woke me if he didn't touch me? He didn't shake me awake. He didn't tap me on the shoulder. None of that. What woke me? I felt his presence. I felt his energy near me. We each have a toroidal field of energy that extends out several feet. So when his... Uh, energy field crossed mine, I felt that. And even in my sleep, I felt his presence nearby. And so I woke up. Sure, I'm a bit alarmed. Oh, it's Cameron. But the same thing happens with shadow entities in that what we're feeling is their presence in the room. So I'm asleep. There's a shadow entity across the room, at the end of the bed, next to the bed. I feel their energy while I'm asleep, and I wake up. And sometimes we experience sleep paralysis when we wake, because that's just a natural biological phenomenon. It's extremely natural to have sleep paralysis. But we see what woke us, not our kid this time. It's a shadow entity. Now, our immediate reaction to that is there's an intruder in the room. We may not even initially be thinking it's a shadow person. We're, we see a figure in the room. So we're alarmed. So all of a sudden, you know, that, uh, uh, that adrenaline starts rushing in us. There's something wrong here. There is this intruder in my room. Now I'm paralyzed. I can't move. So now that adrenaline's rushing even more. Your alarm is even heightened even more because there's an intruder and I can't move. So later on, it gets translated that they actually did that to us when, now it wasn't that, it was just their presence woke you up. And because of sleep paralysis, you know, you couldn't move. It just, we end up attributing it to them, even though they weren't actually doing it to us. Most likely, it was just standing there, watching, observing, like most of them do. Yeah, there are others that are more nefarious in nature. There are ones 
for extraterrestrials that do abduct people, but for the most part, they're just standing there watching, observing, and they're usually not paralyzing you like that. It's just a natural biological phenomenon that happens to happen at the same time that you're experiencing shadow phenomenon. Or again, since we're talking about ETs, uh, could be ETs as well. So I'm going to skip some of this uh, different scenarios with uh, old hag syndrome and sleep paralysis, and we're going to start getting. Um, we only have a few minutes left here. Um, you know what are shadow entities? Um, I like this quote by Hans Holzer: "There is no supernatural world. Everything that exists is natural." So everything that we're that we're, we have been talking about here, whether it's extraterrestrials or shadow entities, um, sleep paralysis, you know all these different legends and lore and entities that they experienced back then, Alu, the Egyptian cave, it's all natural. So what are shadow entities? Well, some of them could be human spirits. This is the little girl from Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois, uh, in which we saw her morph out of rolling black smoke. Um, Tom McNicholas down in the chat was there. He saw the little girl. Uh, this this is featured in the, the last two episodes of The Shadow Dimension. So I do refer people back to that since we only have a few minutes left. Uh, you know, episodes five and six. Dive deep into that story. Um, are some of them uh, tulpas? So the idea of the thought form. This is a, a Buddhist concept that you can um, you know, create entities with your own thoughts. Um, there's also the idea that several people together can uh, create a tulpa uh, with your own thought. And that's, uh, you know, modern day concept is Slender Man. You know, Slender Man was a, uh, you know, had its origins on the internet. It was part of a Photoshop contest, but a lot of people believe that it is now a real entity because all of these people have basically talked it into existence. Again, this is a Buddhist concept of the thought form. Interesting case of this um, is with the shadow. Uh, it was, uh, the pen name was Maxwell Grant. It was actually Walter B. Gibson was, uh, was the man behind that. Um, I first came across this in the book, The Mothman Prophecies. The story has absolutely nothing to do with the Mothman, but I, uh, I like that Keel presented it in that uh, this house that was believed to be haunted by a uh, shadow entity uh, very likely could have simply been the shadow uh, character that Walter B. Gibson was constantly writing about within that house. And even Walter B. Gibson believed that's what it was as well. But what I believe that uh, shadow entities really are are interdimensional beings, that they have crossed here from another plane of existence. And I know I'm kind of rolling through this uh, quick again now. So you guys are probably pretty familiar with uh, this image of the connected universe. Basically, this is an x-ray of the universe, uh, colorized, enhanced, all that. You're basically showing how the uh, all those points of light are galaxies, and the filaments there are basically the gases between each. They're all connected uh, across the universe like that. 
and so are all of these things that we are dealing with here, all these different dimensions in space and time. Um, we got a wonderful quote here from uh, Freddie Silva, Shadow, uh, from the Divine Blueprint. Uh, the human body is an aggregate of an energy field, and that field is interconnected to everything that exists. Energy is the engine that drives everything, including our own consciousness. And as such, energy can influence us, and we can influence it. This energy field is a force, and it is full of information. Or as Einstein succinctly stated, the field is the only reality. So again, talking about uh, energy and everything being interconnected. So this is what made me really believe that uh, that what we're dealing here with shadow entities, and this also holds true for uh, for extraterrestrials, because many of these extra uh, of these shadow entities that we're uh, dealing with, uh, not only could they be interdimensional beings, but as extraterrestrials, extraterrestrials could be traveling interdimensionally as well. So this is my summation of what happened at the Johnny V's restaurant, the story that I told earlier with the shadow entity that blew through that door or blew into that door, but you didn't hear the sound of it. Or I heard the sound of it, sorry, uh, but I didn't actually see the door open. So what happened? Uh, so basically, what I believe happened is that as I walked into that room, I encountered something that was on another plane of existence. It could even be another... Uh, you know, point in time, but as I, but as our dimensions mixed with each other, uh, probably resonating on the same frequency for a brief period of time, that shadow entity may have seen me as a shadow, may have seen me as a ghost, ET, what have you. I scared it because that thing took off across that room, uh, frightened. And perhaps on its plane of existence, that door blew wide open and it ran out into, uh, out into the dining room. But I didn't see the door open because physically, I'm on a different plane of existence. I'm in a different dimension. However, sound travels on a different wavelength, a different frequency. And so I was able to hear it, but not actually see it. Um, and we used that same concept in the Alaska Triangle when we were talking about the missing Douglas, that it may have gotten lost in a portal. I'm not going to go down this route here. We just don't have the time. Um, but the idea that uh, it got lost into the portal, but we were able to hear some of the radio chatter come back through the portal. Um, and do get into a, a bit more with time travelers. Again, not really uh, time for it here. I have more time to talk in Laughlin. <laughs> um, but time does play into a lot of this phenomenon. Um, you know, with, with extraterrestrials, knowing how to travel through other dimensions, they may also know how to travel uh, through different points in time. And we see with a lot of our locations that have a lot of this phenomenon, we see a lot of, um, you know, ET and UFO reports as well. So that brings us to the Conjuring House featured in the Shadow Dimension. So they they do have uh, have had a lot of reports of uh, UFO sightings there. There have been reports of time slips there in which uh, Andrea Perrin and her mother 
observed this uh, seven this family from the 1700s that just materialized into the dining room and looked at Andrea and her mother as if they were the ghost. The one uh, the one gentleman turned to the other and said, "Would you look at that?" You know, as if uh, Carolyn and Andrea were the ghosts. Uh, so some sort of time slip, which is interesting. So while the parents are seeing, uh, you know, a, a moment from back in the past, those gentlemen from the past were seeing the future. So those things happen there as well. This is also where black smoke has been seen rolling forward from actually the bedroom where uh, Andrea used to sleep through another bedroom. All kinds of crazy things uh, would happen uh, in this particular house. I have a lot of theories as to why that is, which you can you can see in the shadow dimension. This particular photo here, and I know those listening to the podcast later and listening on KGRA, you're not going to see this. Um, I'll describe it as best I can here in the, in the last uh, couple minutes. But uh, basically with this photo, you're seeing everything in the foreground is perfectly still and clear. Once you hit that doorway in the middle and the window next to it, things start to shift and move here. This is what I call interdimensional phasing. If you look further through that door, you see a window beyond there. But behind that window is, is a chalkboard that's on the wall. What, what's going on there? That window is actually the exterior window in that room, which is from this photo behind this piece of wall, because there's that interior window, there's a, there's a piece of the wall, and then there's the doorway. That exterior window is behind that piece of wall, but yet in this photo, you see it extended outward into essentially the middle of the room against the wall with the chalkboard. So this is, I mean, this is really a uh, substantial hotspot. You've seen, there's been the shadow smoke there. Um, I got really lightheaded in this area. Um, there's all kinds of crazy act, uh, paranormal activity that the parents uh, witnessed and observed there. There were times that they talked about going into a little time bubble there, Um yeah, the the one girl was dragged down the stairs. Again, there's been UFO and ET sightings. All kinds of all kinds of crazy stuff happens here, but um, you know I believe that this is an entry point into our world because of the way that the house is designed. Now, there may be something to the land itself as well. You know, we could get into like Delure currents and the Earth's energy grid and all that, uh, which could certainly play into this. But the uh, the basement, the way it's constructed directly, I mean, it's going to basically be two levels down from that room. You have an open well, you have limestone walls surrounding it, and then those limestone walls are capped with granite. It's like a perfect little power plant down there to generate this kind of activity. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And... Um, I'm not going to have time to get into uh, astral projecting, light beings, the simulated universe, <laughs> which plays into this. Because, um, and I'll I'll say this real quick about uh, the simulated universe. If the universe is simulated, we actually have 
a couple different types of extraterrestrials that we're talking about here, not just extraterrestrials from other planets within the universe, which could certainly appear to us as shadow beings, but you would also have extraterrestrials that come here from what would be like the quote-unquote homeworld or where the simulation is being generated from. Because some of those beings, I do believe, come down into the simulation. And I don't necessarily believe it's a computer simulation. I think it's something more natural, organic, biological in nature. But I believe they do come down here into the simulation at times. And when they do come down into here, sometimes they do appear as a shadow. But to us, that would also be a type of extraterrestrial because they are not from this planet Earth. They are... Um, you know, from even further beyond than, you know, some other extraterrestrial from another planet. So, um, I know Tom, I do, Tom, I did save your question here. Uh, and this episode ran a little bit longer than usual, um, but that's fine. So he asked, do you think the physical look of alien shadows are actually a suit? I believe they look just like us. Um, they take on a lot of different forms and looks. Uh, they're not necessarily like you know, always wearing a spacesuit. A lot of them look rather uh, like if you look at the gray aliens, they, they appear rather just like naked to people. Um, you know, sometimes they don some sort of clothing to kind of blend in. Um, you know, we we see that with the um, you know, with the hat wearing type entities, those that are actually ETs. You know, they're wearing some sort of uh, clothing to kind of blend in, you know, those that talk about, uh, you know, the, the reptilians, the reptilians are wearing basically a human suit and clothing on, on top. Um, so, so yeah, there are a lot of them that were actually, um, you know, wear different things, you know, to basically blend in with the surroundings and they're not seen. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of interesting, uh, you know, theories about you know, who, you know, who in the spotlight, uh, may actually be uh, you know, some sort of extraterrestrial or alien in disguise. I'm not going down that route, but uh, we hear we hear those stories and speculations a lot. So let me uh, slip into the chat here um, a little bit. See if you guys have any uh, any comments or questions down here. Uh, and Tom saying, I noticed that while watching the Shadow Dimensions. It's very important to watch it from the very beginning. Very important. Yes, it is. It is because there are a lot of things from the very beginning that tie in right back to the end. Uh, absolutely. So, um, oh, yeah, the old radio show. The Shadow Knows. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. I guess I know I kind of just ran right through the end. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this. Like I said, this is kind of a... Um, uh, initial run through of uh, my presentation that I'm going to, depending on the conference, kind of run everybody through. And there was a lot more material I still didn't even get through. I mean, Tom, you were part of the uh, uh, Unveiling the Shadows course, uh, the workshop back in the fall. And that ran, I'd scheduled that for two hours. It ran over, it was almost like two and a half hours, if you recall. And, um, you know, a, a lot of this material, um, it's not straight. Uh, a lot of this material is from there. I changed some of it up, deleted some slides, added some others in there. So it, it did get changed up, but it, there's still like a lot in there. So, um, 
and we'll do a, like a, a deeper dive on all of this. The um, the Shadow Entities course that's coming out, a lot of this material plus a whole bunch more is in that. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I would love to, I'm trying to get it out before June happens. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make it because there's a lot of things that I need to prepare for the conferences coming up and then, of course, Egypt. Uh, but I'll try to have that out. So uh, thank you guys all very much for joining this evening. For those that haven't watched The Shadow Dimension, because you know, I've referenced that quite a bit here, shadowdimension.com, streaming now on uh, Vimeo, Zuzu. will be here on uh, Quasim pretty soon and then other platforms to come. And for those of listening later, uh, you can catch the... You can catch us live and come into the chat and drop your questions in and all that while live streaming uh, through the Connected Universe Portal. Go to ConnectedUniversePortal.com, sign up. There's a 30-day free trial, and uh, come join us out here. It's a lot of fun. So, all right, everybody. Have a great night. Till next time.